Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. This is episode 101 and the first in our series on faith fundamentals. My name is Jeff, and the guy that I would think about running a mile in his walking shoes someday, Dave Wager, DW, is here with me. How you doing, Dave? Yeah, good. You'd have to because I don't run anymore. And do we have Dalmatians around today? 101? Uh, yeah. Maybe. They're hiding. Yeah. yeah, we should because we should be celebrating. We celebrated 100. 101 is like the next, you know, the beginning of the next journey for us. So it, it is great to be with you. Hopefully we can uh, encourage those that listen and we really want to. I hope that, that people just tune into us or go back and get the podcast and somehow we can give them a, a leg up here in life. And joining us on the show, Jason, I've noticed, Jason, you're no longer wearing the shorts and T-shirts and sandals, and I'm used to seeing you in these days. I'm thankful. Yeah, I, 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 I tried holding on to summer for as long as I could, and I probably technically could uh, still be wearing them, but there's always that in-between seasonal like sickness that you could potentially get. And and working at a camp where there's young people all the time is just like I gotta I gotta be careful. Um, but hey, I'm it's two months after summer ended, at least our summer camp, and I'm still cleaning up. So in one sense, I'm still hanging on to summer as long as I can, ready for the next one. But it's good; it's been a lot of fun. And Mike Ott is back in studio with us. Mike is a youth pastor, at Graceway Fellowship, and it's good to have you. You ha- we had you on last week with our hundredth episode, and yeah, it's great to be here. It was a lot of fun last week talking about puppets and all the other stuff we <laughs> talked about last week. Already exciting this week, talking about what we're talking about, uh, thinking with uh, Dave mentioning 101 Dalmatians, and he's asking where they're at. I have a perfect puzzle for him. It's one that I've only been able to find about eight pieces connected. I forget how many pieces it is, but it's, a, it's Dalmatians, and that's all it is. Oh, boy. It's a whole family of Dalmatians, and it's double-sided. What? Mike. Mike. Double-sided. Mike. Mike, can I, can I talk to you privately for a moment? All right, go ahead. I hate puzzles. I hate them. Oh, you would really hate this one. No, I, I hate all puzzles. <laughs> all. Yeah, answer me this logical question, if you would, Mike, please. You must like puzzles because you have them. Why would somebody take a perfectly good picture, cut it into 100,000 pieces, and then say, here, have fun with it? Why would you do that when they already had a picture? <laughs> I have no answer to that except to cause drama. Thank you. I have two young boys. I can think of a perfectly good reason to do this. You can think of a good reason because I can't. Or maybe your boys made a puzzle and it was supposed to be, you know, your wedding picture or something like that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's either one of you to make a mess or two to put the puzzle together. I would think it might be the former more than the latter, but it's worth a try anyway. Well, you know, when, I, when my girls were, were little and they had those, you know, I don't know why we have to do this. Do you guys ever have those like training puzzles? They kind of train kids how to put puzzles together. Like they're, they're wood and they have like five pieces and they got to put them in the right spot. Yeah. Doesn't every parent have that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a bike on training wheels. Like we, like we really need to train a kid how to put a puzzle together, but <laughs> they, they, they had them 
And I remember as my kids got older, my wife was going to take the puzzle and throw it out or give it away. And and my youngest daughter said, Mom, don't do that. Dad still doesn't know how to do these yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because whenever they did puzzles, I I just hated them. Again, my logic goes in. Why would you cut a picture up, take it apart, and have to sit there and put it back together? Uh, (laughs) What about the puzzles where they have like the little peg pieces? Yeah. And then you like, there's a lion, and you put the lion where the lion hole is. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, why? Just leave the picture together. I don't I, know. My son loves it. Yeah, well, you know what? My girls loved it, and I didn't. I never liked jigsaw puzzles. You're I, missing out on life. I want to see the whole picture. Don't give me a piece of it, man. Just give me the whole thing, and I'll look at it. But I don't <laughs> want a piece at a time. <laughs> You sound like such a poor, sad man, Dave. I, I know you're not I a am. poor, sad man. I am. But... I'm worse than that. When it comes to puzzles, I'm worse than that. In fact, I have a whole uh, message series I do called Jigsaw Puzzle Theology. So many times you and I are, are living as if we, we have one piece of the puzzle here today. So so today, whatever it is, I have a piece. And I don't know where it goes in my whole puzzle because, I, you know, God didn't give me the cover. He didn't give me the whole picture. I just have the pieces. And every once in a while, you can see how the pieces fit in. But every once in a while, they don't fit in. And so you're just sitting there thinking, all right, where does this go? And I've realized through the time, if I'm just quiet and I wait, that piece will fit in. And one day, here's what I'm looking forward to. You know, I get to heaven someday, and God spins this cover on and says, here's the cover. Here's how, all they, here's how the ones that don't fit fit. And I'm sure it'll happen that way. But in the same sense, through life, I've just been frustrated because I, you know me, Jason. I love to see the whole picture. Oh yeah. I don't want pieces. I want the whole thing. And and to cut it into pieces just drives me insane. So those of you that love jigsaw puzzles, I am not condemning you. Good for you. My kids did. My wife did. A lot of my friends have them on their tables. I feel like going in and tipping over their tables, but they have them. <laughs> um, and uh, I just was able to vent to the whole world. So thank you very much. Hey, I got two thoughts out of that. One, you know, I've used that same illustration talking with teenagers and messages about us being just one piece of God's puzzle, basically, in his end picture, his end game. Uh, but second thought, you are thankful for puzzles then because you got a great object lesson that you use oh, with did. people. So you, uh, you, there is use for a puzzle. There, there is. And, you know, I actually, um, every about third year, fourth year, I, I, before I start our youth club at church, um, I hand all of the leaders a piece of a jigsaw puzzle, and I ask them to keep it in their pocket for, you know, as, until the thing deteriorates. And when they put their hand in their pocket to realize that life is like that, there's a piece that you're seeing today, but it's not the whole thing. I, I also do that with students that are studying the Bible. I like to give them a piece of a puzzle because, you know, they'll take a verse and they'll say, well, here's what it means. And I say, wait a minute, how does that fit into the whole picture? So, so actually, jigsaw puzzles are very useful. In that sense, I just hate doing them. Yeah, and it's a good picture. It's a picture of life, and I appreciated that thought of that we only have a, a small piece of the entire picture. All of our experience, all of our life in this world is really just one short blip on the radar. We have one small piece of the entire picture, all of history that has happened before us, way in the past. Those people all had pieces in life. And so yeah. somehow we're all creating this much bigger picture, and that is creation. We're going to talk about some of the faith basics. And the first place to start is trying to wrap our minds around God. And how do we arrive at this understanding? Can we actually think rationally and logically about a divine creator? We're going to talk about this tonight on the show. The big question here to lead off and how we actually would ever consider 
there being a God at all is this metaphysical question out there that asks, why do we have something rather than nothing at all? Have you guys ever thought about that? Why do we have things? Why do we have, you know, these computer screens or notebooks or even books or cars or towers, buildings, skyscrapers, trees, animals, pets? Or the Chicago Bears. Or the Bears. Why do we have these things? To make fun of them. We have them to make fun of them. But go on. I don't know about the rest. But either way, I mean, (laughs) things exist. Stuff exists. And then we also have to talk about reality as well, that there are four different reasons for reality or four different options that we have of understanding reality. Either reality is an illusion. It's self-created or it was self-created. Reality is self-existent or eternal. Or the fourth possibility that reality was created by something that is self-existent. We have to answer why do we have those things? Why do we have something rather than nothing? And what is reality? And Dave, you like to talk about reality a lot because today in our culture, it seems we're wrapped up in the fantasy world. We get involved in movies and books and things that are just non-real. Perception has become reality to many people because of the hours and hours and hours. In fact, even the idea of Facebook and other communication tools in the media make us think that we have all these kind of friends, but but in reality, we don't. And that's really a crazy thing that's going on in our heads. So I think that we do struggle with reality and, and making the pretend world seems to be so much more real to us. And you see that because people go out and do crazy things, so shoot people, whatever. Their, their pretend fantasy world has become their reality, and it really becomes a strange animal to deal with. So we're going to talk about this on the show tonight. Join us on the tweet back if you're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Also, check out tonight's show notes because I can guarantee you we have a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to talk about. But this is really only a glimpse and an introduction to really asking who is God and how can we know him. So check out HopeNet360.com for tonight's show notes. And the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Chat with the live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW, Jason, and Mike with you tonight on the show. We're having a conversation, a deep conversation really about God and where this all begins. Where can we go back to, to think about a rational thought? Can you even think rationally or logically about a divine creator? I think a lot of times in our culture, we think about religion and sometimes our introduction to faith is sometimes it's positive, but other times it's, it's based on maybe our experience. Maybe some people think that it's a genetic disposition to faith or religion. How do we actually think about God? Does Is there really a logical proof or argument to the existence of God? And I think many young people, I know myself as a young adult, I struggled with this for a time where I was wondering, does God really exist? How do I know that God exists? Can I rely on the Bible to tell me that? What about other religions? All these bigger questions point to a realization that I need to have some kind of an understanding or a basis to go back to that helps me to realize that either there is a logical way to talk about God or it's based on my experience, which then can be subjective and not reliable as far as helping someone identify 
what God is or how to describe his being. So we're going to talk about this on the show. It's not a complete conversation, but it's a starting point. So I want to encourage you to check out the show notes as well at hopenet360.com. So guys, we left off kind of talking about reality. Um, either reality is an illusion, it's self-created, or it was self-created at some point. A reality is either self-existent, which basically is from Jonathan Edwards, which said that something exists, nothing can't create something, so therefore a necessary and eternal something exists. Or the fourth option, reality was created by something that is self-existent. And I'm curious to know some of your thoughts. How do you talk to somebody who is questioning reality? What is real? What is true? Is it just how we perceive things in our life, the situations, the maybe the family structure we grow up in, or or the people around us, the things that happen to us? Or is there something more to this world? People believe something for a reason. That's what we have to understand. I mean, um, I remember in college there, there was a young lady that I was interested in, and uh, I was trying to just get to know her, but I never thought that I'd ever get to know her. And I'm kind of a silly person sometimes when I was younger. And so it was right around Valentine's Day, and I sent a uh, a bunch of girls on campus that year, Valentine's with, I went around campus and took the ROTC posters and, and put clever sayings on them and, and sent them as Valentine's. And, and that was a really weird thing to do, but it was kind of interesting. And and that night, this one girl called me up after she got this poster in her mailbox for Valentine's Day with my name on it. And she said, uh, I made you some brownies. I want you to come over. And I said, no way. I know what you do to brownies to a guy that sends you a Valentine with an ROTC poster. You know, you probably made them with X-Lax. And I'm, I'm not coming. <laughs> and and um, she said, no, 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 no. I made them, you know. And so I went over there. And it was very interesting. What had happened is the day before, two days before, I saw her in the dining hall, and she had a neck brace on. She'd been in a car accident. And I just asked how she was doing and, and what happened, and so it's just very casual. But while we were sitting there eating the brownies, she was saying, you know what? After the discussion, she said, I really had you all wrong. I said, what do you mean? Well, you're a defensive end for the college football team. You look like you're going to kill people most of the time. <laughs> and, and, and your nickname... It, at that time was Orca or Whalehead, they used to call me. And and uh, she said, it, it just, put, you put it together, and it's like, you're a guy nobody wants to talk to because you, you're mean and angry. And hmm. She said, but you're not like that at all. And uh, what was interesting is that her perception of who I was was gathered through these little pieces of evidence hmm. rather than actually spending any time with me. Wow. Um, she realized later that what, what I was was, you know, she came to football games then, and then after the game she saw that I had a bunch of eight-year-old kids that I invited and paid for to come to the game, and that afterwards they came out on the field and I let them tackle me, and I, and I would just roll around the field with them. Well, that was different than the perception she had of me, you know, and all of a sudden everything was different. She asked how I got the name Whalehead, and I said, uh, when I was a kid I had some real physical difficulties, and the doctor made me swim with a bathing cap on. And um, and the other kids were mean, and they made fun of me, and they called me well, and it always stuck. Now she felt really bad because the name was even given to me for, you know, an innocent. Well, it got switched to Orca because I was playing football, mm-hmm. you know. So it was like, oh, well, once she put all the pieces together, she felt terrible about what she thought. Hmm. And, and it was like, you no, know, and we became great friends. I mean, we never really went anywhere at that relationship, but we became great friends over it, and, and, I, and I, I'll and i never forget the fact that, and I, by the way, thought the same of her in a different way. 
she was the one, she was a year ahead of me, and she was voted most uh, likely to succeed, most popular, everything. I mean, this girl was like off the charts, mm. and I thought she'd never even talk to me. Well, here she was sitting by herself on Valentine's Day, and I thought she was Miss Popularity. And the funny thing is, when we got together, we enjoyed each other very much, and mm-hmm. we would have never done that. And as we did, though, we became good friends. And I think that's what we need to think about when we think about God or reality. Or you know, We don't always get the whole picture right away. At the core of who we are, we always have that question of, of something bigger and greater. And I think that's because God instilled that within us. Put aside, you know, Bible and, and all that for a second, you know, and I think that the way that we're designed, even in the terminology I'm using, I, I suppose I'm making some presuppositions and presuming some things, the fact that we are designed, but... I think there's this natural inclination that we want something bigger and greater outside of ourselves. And so even when it comes to asking the question, does God exist? Where does that question come from? You know, and I'm kind of getting a little, you know, thought oriented, but I mean, it, it, it makes you wonder as we think about, you know, does God exist? Obviously, we're longing for something bigger and greater than ourselves. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if, it, if it's just about us and we create our own reality, where does, where does that take yeah. us? The whole nation's that way, though. I mean, when yeah. we're in a crisis, what does the president come and say, no matter who it is? Yeah. We need to pray. Right. Where do we get that from? Right. Hmm. Now, they may not be specific as to who. When I've talked to people who are on their deathbeds or very sick or tragedy, they want me to pray. Yeah. I went and talked to a guy yesterday who suffered a stroke. Before I left, I said, can I pray for you, please? He stood up, gave me a hug while I prayed with him. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, where do we get that from? Yeah. A lot of times we're running around like there is no God, but all of a sudden there's a God somewhere. As a teacher, as, as an educator all these years, I look, whenever there's a crisis, all of a sudden God can be back in the schools. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like, why is that? That in the time of tragedy, we somehow turn and say, please pray. Something's inside of us there that we need to address. Yeah, right. And I think it's important to realize that we're not an end in ourselves. I think we get distracted or, or thinking that I am an end to a means. And the reality is, is there's a much bigger picture, like we talked about with the puzzles, that I only see a small portion of it. I mean, people, people and cultures, and I mean, there are different races of people and, and ethnicities, people that existed and are now no longer inhabiting this world that I never even met. I'll never know those people this side of heaven. And the reality is, is I can't assume in my life that I can see enough of the picture to make a concrete conclusion that there is no God. So I will say, I will, I will tell you that it's very difficult for me to play a position of an atheist or I think there's a little bit more atheist that would be willing to admit, but I would say that I would be much more comfortable talking with an agnostic than really an atheist because I think atheism today, while it can be seen as a popular trend in some ways, it's it's almost popular to be skeptical in some circles of people and in different places. I know there was, you know, as a young adult, it seemed for me in my young adult years that was kind of a a powerful position to take was that of a skeptic of asking questions until I really read the book of Job, which is pretty much the oldest story in the book. And something in there really, and we'll talk about this more in the show, where, you know, something really grabbed me in that conversation that Job had with God that, you know, Job saw this small picture and then here's God who's like, wait, okay, so I heard your questions. Now let me ask you some questions. So fascinating story in itself. And Jason, we were talking about the design argument, the teleological argument is what it's called um, in a philosophical sense, that it means there's a goal or there's a purpose, that for everything in existence, 
there needs to be a designer that nothing can make something. We can't create anything out of nothing. Even the most atheist kind of a person, David Hume was a renowned atheist. And, and he said, I never asserted so absurd a proposition as anything might arise without a cause. And so in that sense, there's got to be a cause for everything. And so whether or not you believe there's a God or a divine being, you have to ask the question, we have something. Why is there something and not just nothing? And if there is something, well, what caused all this to happen? So that's a big question in itself. It's a leading question, a leading argument to make sense of this divine creator. And we're going to talk about this more on the show. Connect with us on the tweet back right now. Just use the hashtag HNRTB, and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, this Wednesday is Fields of Faith, and it's happening nationally. So if you want to check out hopenet360.com slash FOF, you can find details about Fields of Faith here in Northeast Wisconsin. There's uh, an event happening at DePere High School this Wednesday night. And, of course, if you want to check out the national website, it's fieldsoffaith.com. And it's a great place to go and to get in the game and get in the book. We're excited to partner with Fields of Faith again this year and uh, just see young people step out and really to grow in their faith and to admit that, hey, I really want to take my faith seriously. So check out hopedit360.com slash FOF for details on Fields of Faith here in Northeast Wisconsin. So Jeff, DW, Jason, and Mike with you tonight on the show. And we're starting, this is our first in the series of Faith Fundamentals. And so we're going to go through some real basic things of the faith and really take a look at them in depth. I think the sometimes the assumption is that we just believe in God, that either you believe in God or you don't believe in God. There's really no middle ground here. There's no need for rational thought because either your predisposition is to that of faith or you're predisposed maybe genetically to be an atheist or to be someone who is somebody of a different faith, a different persuasion, whatever. So tonight we're looking a little bit more in some ways objectively at some of the arguments for the evidence for a creator. And Mike, I know your wheels are always turning. You always have some great thoughts. We were talking a little bit in the break. I'd like to know some of your thoughts on how this plays out in your life. Dave was talking about, you know, when people fall into tragedy, a lot of times your first reaction is to pray. Uh, we see it all the time. And there was an experience at one time in my life where I saw something very similar to that. Uh, I was working at a boarding school about seven years ago, and there was this teenager that was brought in. He hated pretty much anything and everyone, basically. Um, and uh, we were a Christian boarding school. We didn't push any Christian things on them. We had a time where they could read their Bible or sit there for devotions. That was about it. We didn't push anything, but he just hated anything and everything. He had a lot of anger issues, a lot of a lot of problems. He was at a very bad place, and uh, he would get in conversation with staff about how he hated us as well as the school, and he didn't believe there was a God, that he was an atheist. Uh, he wanted nothing to do with Christianity. He didn't believe it, and he gave us all these great arguments for it. And I remember one day he was in school, uh, and he was working on something, and something happened, something triggered in him. And he blew up, got angry, got mad, and he just ran out. And I'm like, oh, no, as staff, we got to follow and make sure they're okay. We don't intervene or anything. We, um, we just let them work their anger out. 
And so I'm standing at the door of the schoolhouse looking out, and here's this kid. And it's cold. It's northern California. It's pretty cold. And he, like, rips his shirt off. He throws it on the ground. He starts beating his chest and just yelling at the sky. And I sat there just watching it. And here's a, a kid that he would say he's atheist, he didn't believe in God, but in a way I was viewing him naturally responding to anger in his own way. Why was he beating his chest and why was he staring at the sky? And uh, for me, it was kind of to sit back and look at it. It hit me. Even our natural tendency is to look that direction when something is that way. And for me, it was a good picture for me to see that even in our human nature, a lot of times if we get angry, a lot of times we blame it on God. And I've seen it numerous times throughout ministry where um, something goes wrong, God's the scapegoat. Well, there was a tornado or a flood or this war happened. Let's blame it on God. And it's it's funny when you sit back and those same people don't believe in God, but yet they want an scapegoat and they blame it on God. And uh, I wish I could tell you a good story about the kid. Uh, he ended up, he had so many issues, he ended up getting sent to a lockdown facility. And I don't know where the kid is today, but I saw a kid that was at the point where he needed to either turn towards God or he was going to completely turn away from God. And there was that point where he recognized that there was something. And uh, to me, that was a good experience to uh be able to see is at our natural person that God's wired us to be, there's that uh, sense for a relationship with him. You know, that's interesting, Mike, because it's interesting that during really good times, it seems that, that we ignore God and say, look at me, look what I did. I pulled my, and during bad times, we like someone to blame. So we pull God out of the closet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Logically, he's there. If there is a God, he's there during the good times and the bad times, and he's in control of that. But, but to pull him out during one time and ignore him during another, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I think we're looking, again, through our own perception lens. We see things from our own perspective. And so we're trying, we are all asking the same question. There is a part of us that expects justice. There's there's a part of us that actually expects that someone is responsible for this, whether it's good, you know, somebody pays for my drink in the drive-thru, and I want to know, who did that? Who was that person that did that to me? And then I also want to, I want to blame somebody for, you know, stealing my pumpkin off of my porch, you know, stuff like that. Or, it was me. Yeah, I know. But, you know, just <laughs> these things that we want people to be accountable. Accountability, justice, you know, this moral framework, this moral reference that we say justice has to be. If there is good, if there are things that I perceive as good, things that I perceive as evil, there seems to be then this kind of a law or a moral code that each of us abides by. And some of us are a little bit more relative than others. Some of us would say, well, it's okay to steal your neighbor's pumpkin because, you know, somebody else down the road wants a pumpkin and they can't afford to buy a pumpkin. So I'll just go and take it off of their porch and bring it to them and I'll gift it to them. See, I'm doing a good thing. So some would say, well, maybe that's morally right. We can all disagree on those things, but at some point we have to say, well, if I don't set moral laws, if I don't agree, you know, with some of the laws of my country, how do I know that they're going to stand up unless... There is someone that gives that law, that frame of reference. Otherwise, we'd have we have anarchy. You don't have to abide by any laws if there was really no lawgiver. You know, perspective is everything. In in some cases, it's not re- it's not right or wrong. There is a right and there's a wrong. I mean, you mentioned pumpkins. Believe it or not, I grew up in Chicago, and around Halloween, we used to all go to a wood shop at the park, and we'd make pumpkin smashers. I mean, all the kids did. <laughs> they, 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 they were they were like swords, and they were swords with big, and you'd make them with big hooks on the end. 
So because what you would do on Halloween is go house to house. And you'd sneak up to the houses, and you'd grab the pumpkin with the hook, bring it down, and smash it with the smasher and run. Oh, man. And everyone, everyone expected that. There, there was no problem with that. You didn't want candy instead? Well, we, that was after candy. <laughs> oh, so you went? That was after got the candy. Got candy. Yeah, and then we went and smashed them. Yeah, you, you made a note of where all the pumpkins were at that point. <laughs> oh. and, and then you went and smashed them. And the funny thing is, ours got smashed. We just look out and go, all right, we got it. You know what I mean? That, that's how Halloween ended. You know, I mean, there were smashed pumpkins everywhere. Yeah. And nobody cared. All the kids in the neighborhood were making pumpkin smashers together. That's hilarious. You, you knew that they were going to come after your pumpkin w- with that smasher. You know, I mean, so when you mentioned the pumpkins, I found, you know what? You know how much of life is sometimes relative? I mean, when you said that, I thought, so you're stealing a pumpkin from a guy. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, uh, that's what we grew up doing. And, and it was expected. No adult cared. It was what our neighborhood did. Well, they, you know, it kept us up to, kept us from doing something else. Probably, I have no idea. Well, yeah, they wouldn't care until someone decided to take the pumpkin and throw it through your window, or you know, destroy your mailbox. Well, but. there are some, you know, new people to the neighborhood were a little bit upset. Yeah, <laughs> and the next year they uh, did a cement pumpkin and, and painted it, yeah. <laughs> and then watched. Oh yeah. boy, there we yeah. go. So, yeah, well, yeah, the bottom line really is, I mean, there's. The, it, there is sometimes barriers. What you were saying, Jeff, uh, made sense to me. And, and at the same point, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, even there's really weird barriers for people to know what truth is. Because in my mind frame, you could take pumps and smash them, steal them. Who cares? In your mind frame, that wouldn't be a good thing. When we talk about God, where do we get these ideas from that we have? You know, where do they come from? Because what we have to do is peel it away a little bit and get to what the truth is, regardless of what our perceptions are. Does that make sense, Jay? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of goes back, you know, I think the the real kind of issue that we're looking at is what's the question behind the question? Yep. You know, because I think we, we often point to things that happen in the world and say, all right, if that happens, then how can God exist? But like I said earlier, I think there's natural inclination for us to to want a bigger being like God. And, and I think if we look around creation, I think we could see it. You know, I mean, obviously, if you look at the Bible, you can find it. But I think what we're trying to do today is, all right, outside of the Bible, what evidence is there that points to God? And hopefully we can unpack that in the second half of the show. Yeah, in the second half of HopeNet Radio, we're going to talk a little bit more about how do we experience God? How do we, in ourselves, where do we see God at work? If there is a divine creator is he knowable? I mean, this is a big question. Okay, let's let's just assume for a moment there is a creator, there is a God. Okay, what is his character like? What is he like? Does he just create things and let it go into motion? Some would believe that he's more of a, a watchmaker kind of a thing than actually interactive with his creation. So we're going to talk about this and some of our own experiences in that. Also, make sure to connect with us on the tweet back if you're on Twitter. All you got to do is use the hashtag HNRTB, and this conversation will continue in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. What if athletic fields across the country were filled with students challenging each other to read the Word of God and come to faith in Jesus Christ? We know that none of this can happen without Him. It's only God that does it. Fields of Faith is coming to a field near you. It just gets the whole school fired up. Hi, this is Coach Burr inviting all students and student-athletes to get in the game and get in the book at Fields of Faith on Wednesday, October 14th. 
Check out the details now at hopenet360.com slash F-O-F. Ready, break! It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can always go back and catch the podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. And Jeff and DW with you tonight, Jason and Mike in studio. We're having a pretty deep conversation tonight. One of those that I think is so necessary in our world today because we get confused with who is responsible in this world? We look to the problems in this world. We look to overall the universe and we, we ask the bigger questions. You know, why, why does stuff exist? Why is there stuff? Is there, is there a God that's out there? And if there is a God, if, if this is all real, then how do I know what he's like? Is he even knowable? And we ask these bigger questions and sometimes we think about them, but oftentimes I find in my own life, I've just based a lot of my faith, a lot of my walk with Jesus on experience. You know, do I feel like God is with me? Do I feel like he is right there with me wherever I go? And if bad things are going on in my life, I question, you know, what is happening. I question even if God really cares about what's going on in my life. So tonight we're talking about God, some of these faith basics or faith fundamentals and how we can look at life a little bit differently so that we don't get confused in this ever increasingly confusing world that we live in. So Guys, I'm so glad that you're with us on this conversation because I couldn't, number one, I couldn't have this conversation by myself. I, I confuse myself on all the questions that I have, and I, I need some guidance here about knowing God and his existence and, and even logic and understanding. How do I know what I believe is, is true or that my understanding is correct in this world? Yeah, You know what? Some of the problem really is we mix concepts, so it's hard to grab. Uh, for example, we, we talk about understanding and logic in the same sentence when they're two different things. Let me give you an example. When we go outside in the rain, logic tells us we will get wet, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. But we may not understand what causes rain. We may not understand the the physical properties of rain. Understanding is a different level than logic. And what happens a lot of times is we mix up the two. It's kind of like, well, I don't understand how God created the world, so then logic tells me he must not have. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like this. Um, we're using a computer. I'm using a computer today as we're talking on the radio, and logic tells me this, that somebody created the computer, designed it. Logic tells me that um, it's an Apple computer, so logic tells me that Apple made the computer somehow, somewhere, you know, with their specs. Logic tells me that I bought it on, on uh, somewhere, you know, and that kind of thing. So nobody would argue with those things, because that's logic. I mean, that, nobody would argue because it's evident. Mm-hmm. We started the program talking about, Jeff, if I came into your home and your, your children weren't there, I would know you have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's logic right there. Now, understanding is I, I know what your children are about and thinking. I, I know what they look like. Uh, it, it, I don't know any of that. I just know that the logic tells me that you have them. Uh, logic tells me there was a builder to the computer. I don't understand how this Mac computer works. I really don't get it. I don't understand the internet. I mean, where does information go when I hit the button? You know, I I have no idea. I I don't understand that. Logic tells me, though, that it goes and it travels somewhere. And I mean, the logical part I can get. The understanding part is different. 
And, and I need to be one who can separate those two. And, and those who are listening today who are having trouble understanding God, it's not a logic problem you're having. It's an understanding problem. And, and you need to approach these things differently. Um, for example, I have a pen in my hand. Uh, Jason, this pen, was it designed? Yes. Does it have a purpose? Yes. Okay, that's logic. All right. Who designed it? No clue. All right. Now we're going into another realm at this point. Right. Why did they create the pen? So you could write with it. All right. What was going on in the guy's head the day that it was created? He was sitting there going, what, we need a pen? See, there's where understanding starts to kick in, not logic anymore. Yeah. So, so what happens a lot of times is people are saying, well, God isn't logical. Well, they're wrong. God's very logical. Yeah. The problem is our understanding, and we need to deal with it on the right plane so that we can solve it. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to solve the mystery of God through logic, you're probably not going to. Yeah. And that's what the Bible talks about. I mean, it's not logic that solves the mystery of God. It's understanding. And, and understanding is something that we're not going to have if God is older than us and smarter than us. and I mean, that kind of thing. We, we, it's limited, I should say, mm-hmm. in what we can understand. So, so now what do we do? Well, we put logic first, and, and we look and say, okay, the pen here in my hand is created. If I really want to know, I could probably research where pens came from and who invented them. And, and if the person, if I was in the time period, I could probably find the person, talk to them. Eventually, I could understand how a pen came to be. Mm-hmm. But that's different than logic. Yeah. And, and that's what I think our listeners need to hear. You need to, to say, okay, the, the universe has an order, so it must have a purpose. It must have a... That's logic. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, understanding comes when we begin to understand the whys behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's much more difficult. And that's what our scientists are trying to do. Uh, honestly, none of them will deny that there's a rock here in their hand or something. They're, they're not going to deny the rock. But what they're tr- even they mess it up because they're, they're now saying... Well, even though there's this tremendous sophistication in the universe, and there is, tremendous ability to, to stay consistent and the sun, I mean, all that stuff. Scientists will say, yeah, it's there. So logically, there had to be some way that this was put together. Yep. Yeah. But now the understanding is where they all argue and where we all argue. It's also, I think it, it's important to say that we're created and we have an understanding of logic. I think where the confusion comes in in our life a lot of times is because we're seeing two mutually exclusive things and we're trying to bring them together in a way that they just don't fit together. And a good example of this is some of the things that we see in our culture of cohabitation and, you know, sex outside of marriage and some of these, some of these cultural things that kind of, for me, it, it, it shows a deeper level, a deeper question that we try to bring in a couple of different mutually exclusive things together and we try to put all these pieces together that just don't fit together and think that, well, they must fit together. They've got to fit together because they exist. And logic will help us to reason through which things do go together and which things will create confusion and create conflict in our own minds. See, our brains are wired in such a way where you need to understand facts and you need to be able to put those things together and and that brings understanding. But you have to apply the laws of logic. And the thing about logic is that I don't determine what is logical. I don't determine what things work together. And, And I have such respect for the medical field and science and all of our, our technological advances because what they're trying to do from a scientific perspective is take some facts 
and they're trying to create some situations and scenarios. Uh, we call those experiments that just happen. They repeat themselves. We're looking for things that repeat and they're consistent. Why is that? Why do we look for consistency if we were just, if we exist from a bunch of accidental mutations and random events, random occurrences? Why do we see such complex things, but then we also see consistency? Things don't move from chaos to order, do they? No, you know, it's very confusing because we don't apply the same rules across the board. For example, if you're in the ocean and, and, and all of a sudden you're standing in the ocean and a bottle comes with a message in it and hits your foot and you pick it up. Can you assume logically that somebody put the message in the bottle? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not like there's random anything there. What's the random part? Where it ends you up. You happen to be walking there that day and yeah. you know, you happen to run into it. That's the random part. But but the bottle with the message isn't random. And no nobody logically, nobody would think it would be. We don't want to look at the message and 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 assume somebody put it there. Well, it's interesting how science, you know, I think it's because we don't want to admit that there is somebody more powerful that we're going to answer to or God or something because we, we change the rules all the time in the game. It's logical with a bottle and a message there, but then we look at the universe and we say, no, I, you know, that wasn't designed. Well, how that doesn't work. It had to have been designed. Mm -hmm. Look at it. Every other bit of logic fits that it's been designed. Why would we say it's not designed? Just because it's associated with the fact that somebody then is more powerful than us? I mean, we have to keep the rules of logic consistent. And the rules of understanding, well, they're different because we all understand things differently. Yeah, and, and understand this. If you're listening tonight and you're just kind of like, well... But you haven't even really asked the question of how do you know that it's the God you believe in or the God of the Bible? Why don't you question that? Because you haven't really seen him, have you? Well, this is a common question that I've faced in my own life and that I've even asked. So we're going to talk about this when we come back on this show. Make sure to connect with us. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also email us anytime on the show. Email hope at hopenet360.com. And the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes, especially if you're just joining us on this conversation, a pretty heady conversation tonight. Visit HopeNet360.com, and tonight's show notes are there. Lots of links, lots of stuff, lots of stuff that we've talked about, but also some of the arguments we've used in a little bit more of a complete section because we're we're covering a lot here tonight. As we're talking about faith fundamentals and faith foundations that it's so important that we have a real basic understanding of how we can effectively reason that there is a creator, that there is a divine being, that there is a God of the universe. And so really our next question that we're trying to wrestle with is, well, okay, so how do I know anything about this God? Is God or this divine being, is he even knowable? You know, this is a thing that we all have to wrestle with on some level. And one of my favorite authors, when I began to really study these questions and think critically about my faith, was Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was an atheist guy. He was a journalist. We've mentioned him on the show before, but his story is such that he went out and tried to prove Christianity wrong. He tried to prove the Bible wrong. He tried to prove everything that Christians would say or believe 
to be false. That was his whole set goal. That's what he wanted to do. And he came to the conclusion, he said, essentially, I realized that to stay an atheist, I would have to believe that nothing produces everything, non-life produces life, randomness produces fine-tuning, chaos produces information, unconsciousness produces consciousness, and non-reason produces reason. Those leaps of faith were simply too big for me to take, especially in light of the affirmative case for God's existence. In other words, in my assessment, the Christian worldview accounted for the totality of the evidence much better than the atheistic worldview. Now, this was his own best professional, personal opinion. The next question he goes on to say that we have to tackle is, if an eternal creator exists, and we have shown, if you if you find the arguments pretty conclusive towards the idea that it's a great possibility that a creator could exist. What kind of creator is he? And so guys, as we're talking, what would you say is, are some good qualities about who this divine would have to be from your point of view? You know, as I think about God and I read the Bible, one of the, the things that I'm amazed at is that God is a God of, of great purpose. I mean, that's one of the words I put with him. He, he's got, there's nothing random about God. And you can learn that from the universe. You can learn it from looking. He's, he's a God of purpose. And that's why I long for purpose. I was created with purpose and I want to find it. And, um, and, and that's just one of those, those things that is overwhelming to me at times as I think about, uh, just the logic part of God. I, uh, in fact, in the Bible, if you, if you read through the Bible cover to cover, you'll find out whenever you accuse God of being random, that's one of the things that's really upsetting to him because he's anything but random. He's very purposeful in what he does, which gives me purpose and you purpose and, and everything else purpose. So I, I would use the word purposeful. You know, and I, I would say that God is intentional too. We talked about it at various points throughout the show, but I think that, that in our hearts, we long for God. And I think that's because God is intentional and he wants us to long for him. Um, you know, as, as we kind of started this, this segment, you posed the question, well, how do we know God? How can we get to know God? I think what a lot of the frustration is that people have when it comes to questioning God is that we don't take the time to really get to know God. You know, in a world where we're so instant gratified with information, you know, if we can't find a solution right away, then we, we justify it as not true or that can't happen. But with God, and here's a challenge for any of you out there that might be questioning this stuff about God, is I would challenge you to take the time to try to get to know who God is. You know, and so you could read the Bible. You could look at evidence outside of the Bible, whether it's creation, whether it's history, historical figures, and really do the evidence and allow God to teach you through that. Because I think a lot of the times we don't allow that time to influence us. I mean, you look at the example of Lee Strobel. He was an atheist. And he set out one day saying, all right, in order to be fair, I'm going to do the work to prove that God doesn't exist. And what happened? He came to the conclusion that God does exist because he took the time to get to know God. And I think that's one of the, the core reasons that a lot of us, you know, might question that is because we want it to happen fast. But Dave, let me ask you this. You're married, right? I am. And in the past, you've had really good friends and you yep. still have those friends. Yep. How did you get to know those friends? Yeah, time. Time. You know, it just didn't happen overnight. Yep. It didn't happen instantly, and yet I think some at the core of who we are sometimes we want it to happen fast, but it doesn't work that way. Nope. We got to put in the time to allow God to to then speak to us through through the evidence that's there. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. You know, you, you mentioned that, but the truth of the matter is, if there is a truth, you can't make it up. 
You right. have to discover it. Exactly. All right. Well, well, that's what we're asking people to do is, is yeah. take the time to discover rather than make it up. If, if somebody already had an idea of who you were, they come to Silver Birch Ranch and they have an idea. Jason's the program director here. And, and, and you're saying, all right, I, I know who Jason is. He's a, he's eight foot tall. You know, he wears a very tiny clothes, even though he's eight foot tall. So it's really ugly. And I mean, all this <laughs> stuff. And you have, it, you have it in your head who he is. And you come here and you look at me and say, where's Jason? I say, he's over there. He goes, no, that's not him because that's not who I want him to be. Right. Uh. Well, you and I would look at him like, you're nuts. I mean, that's, that's our first thought to this sure. person. I mean, we wouldn't say it. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you're nuts. That's Jason. You know why? I know him. Yeah. That's who he is. Now, if you want to know him, I, you know, yeah, well, I've read about him on the internet and I've read, you know, I've, I've looked, I, I know who Jason is. The, the problem is, you know, all about Jason, you think, but you don't know him. I do. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah. Well, I don't really accept that. Is there somebody else that could be Jason? You know, now I'm thinking, get the white coat, put this person in a buggy, you know, get him out of here. <laughs> it's, 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 but we do that with God all the time. Right, right. And, and that's what doesn't make logical sense. Again, it's where the understanding and the logic kind of mix and you're all messed up because you're saying that's not who I understand Jason to be, so it can't be. Right. No, 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 no. You, you came about this all wrong. You, you, you never met him, but you decided who he was. This isn't logical. You mentioned Lee Strobel. That's what Lee did. He was saying there is no God, but I guess to be fair... Mm-hmm. I should at least investigate, and, and, and that's where I can find truth. I need to investigate, and I am not afraid where the facts take me. Yeah, yeah. Many people are afraid where the facts take them. In fact, do you know that there are, there are people that won't even look at things because they're afraid it'll change their mind on something? Oh, yeah. Christians do that sometimes as well. Oh, absolutely. I heard the word personal stick out to me. Uh, God's personal. And uh, for me, looking at my own life, I look like my dad. It's scary how many of the childhood pictures or teenage years where I looked like my dad. I find myself making quotes or playing with my future kids' toys like my dad did. <laughs> and I sat there thinking, you know, my parents are the, you know, they're the ones that had me, so I should resemble them. And I started thinking, you know, what kind of picture does God really make personal? And, you know, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. That's John one eighteen. Uh, if there's a bigger picture of what God looks like, it's through Jesus, who is the Son. John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse that's there. It's the most quoted, the most memorized. And I took it one uh, afternoon. I was like, okay, I can take a lot of things out of there. For God so loved the world. Just that statement. God loves me. That's personal. Put yourself in the, the place of the world. For God so loved Mike. Well, that's on a personal note. But then I sat there thinking, is there any other messages I could get from this? And I was like, who said this? For God so loved the world that he sent me. And it showed me um, so much of God's love through his son Jesus. Because here's Jesus talking. I got God's mission. I know what God wants. I'm here. I stepped out of heaven. I stepped out of the comfort. We know heaven's to be this most beautiful place. And God sent his son, and Jesus was stepped out of the comfort of heaven and came and lived among people like you and me. And to me, that shows how personal God is. Um, it shows me how, uh, his, how much he loves me. And to me, that was a big eye-opener of how personal God showed me through his son, Jesus. 
you know, some of the other qualities that this divine being should have should be supernatural in nature, that he created time and space, that he's the ultimate authority, he's the ultimate designer, the ultimate creator. He is the end to all creation. He's that beginning point. He must be powerful. He must be exceedingly powerful. He must be eternal. He must be able to be anywhere and everywhere. He created time and space, so he shouldn't be limited by it. So we would call that omnipresent. He should be timeless and changeless. So he should exist outside of time. He should ex- he should exist uh, outside of the created elements in this world. He must be immaterial. He must be personal. Like you said, Mike, he must be infinite and yet singular because you can't have two infinites. He must be diverse yet have unity as unity and diversity exist in nature. He must be intelligent. He must be purposeful. He must be moral because no moral law can be had without a giver. And he must be caring because no moral laws could ever or would ever have been given without him being caring. So these sorts of qualities line up with the Judeo-Christian view, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob that we read about in the Bible. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of these verses. Again, many of them you'll find in tonight's show notes. So make sure to check out the show notes at HopeNet360.com. And this conversation will wrap up here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Chat with us right now. We're on the tweet back. If you're on Twitter, join us. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We'd love to ask. We'd love to answer some of your questions and get back to you on some things that you are just sometimes mind-boggling in themselves. We have a lot of questions today. Some of them are, how do we know about God? How do we know His existence? really is real and how, how do we sort through our faith how do we search our faith about this and i'm thankful that i've got you guys dave jason mike with us on the show to try to answer and try to bring some kind of a conclusion to tonight's episode uh it's been a he- pretty heavy topic we've talked about a lot of different things we've talked about logic we've talked about reality um, some basic arguments for the existence of a divine being or a divine creator if you will and so those are all under our show notes. You can check that out for yourself on our website, hopenet360.com. So, guys, as we're wrapping up the show, I'd love to hear just some of your final thoughts on our conversation tonight. What do you take away from a conversation like this? I would encourage our listeners to go take a look at those who were very much skeptics and, and what they thought after they applied the different rules of logic and understanding. For example, Lee Strobel, you mentioned um, I would investigate what he did and what he understood before and after. And I mean, I, I, you can go and, and Google his name or something. And I know there's um, uh, different things on YouTube or whatever that he does. But I, if somebody's really struggling with, is there a God? Who is he? Whatever. I, I would encourage you, go check Lee out because he's a guy that was in that position. And I would encourage you, too, to go look in the book of the Bible, the book of James. James was Jesus's brother half-brother, and he was like Lee Strobel. He was a skeptic at one time, very much so. And and if you read the book of James, you'll see what he learned and what he understood finally later in life. So I think one of the things to be intellectually honest is to find those who have struggled and go see how they have struggled and then start separate your logic and understanding and start coming to some conclusions. You know, and I think that that's great advice is that if, if you're really questioning, you know, things about God, I would, I would encourage you just to take the time to get to know him. We talked about Lee Strobel, another guy that, that used to be an atheist, um, that after investigating who God was, became a huge advocate for Jesus was C.S. Lewis. He used to not believe in God, 
And then he did the same thing that Lee Strobel did and started investigating it. And through the evidence that was there, he came to know who God was and it changed his life. And so rather than allowing your presuppositions or what you presume to know about God, go out there and actually get to know who God is and then make up your mind. And I challenge you to do that because I think if you actually do that, you will actually get to know who God is and you will fall in love with him. And that's the the cool thing about it. And sometimes, and we talked about this a little bit, is that we have our expectations of who God is, but it's based on things that aren't um, either factual or aren't based out of logic. And so we need to go back and correct those things, uh, whatever that may be. And sometimes we allow things that have happened in our past that we may not um, have a, a full understanding of influence those, those decisions well. You know, I think oftentimes when, when bad things happen or things that we don't understand in the world happen, we, we often allow that to influence our understanding of who God is um, rather than allowing the logical facts to help us know who God is. Because reality is this, is that God is bigger than us. He's older than us. And I know that I will never fully know everything about God. Um, and I think we need to understand that is that if we were to know everything about God, then he wouldn't be God, um, which is which is mind-boggling in and of itself. But I would say the key thing is is just take the time. I know live, our lives are busy. You know, we're always plugged in. We're always doing something. We're always listening to music. But I think oftentimes that's the biggest hindrance that is keeping us from getting to know God. So take a moment and just get unplugged and spend time getting to know who God is. I think one of the biggest things as I was listening to our uh, show uh, was just thinking on the aspects of kind of the pen situation. That was probably one of the biggest ones that I was listening to. As Dave was trying to convince um, Jason about the pen and who created the pen, why the pen, all the pen, I started thinking, um, how many times do we sit in our homes or in a radio station or our schools or maybe our workplace and we sit there and we're like, man, I wonder who built this building, who designed it, who painted it. Uh, a lot of times we don't even think about that question. Uh, until our roof leaks or until our foundation of our house cracks and we have a lot of money that we need to put into it. And then we sit back, I wonder who did this, yeah. what <laughs> business did this, or who's going to cost me a lot of money. I think the biggest thing is to sit back and ask that question. And a lot of people go through life and they don't sit back and they, you know, don't look at, cre- you know, the creation around them, you know, on their drive to work. They don't look at the grass and the mountains. And I've been all across the country and privileged to see the Atlantic, the Pacific Ocean, uh, the Grand Canyon and just sit back and be like, who created this? Could it be just out of chance? And I love Lee Strobel. I'll, I'll chirp in on that as well. He said it would take a lot more faith to believe that there wasn't a God. And to me, I always have respect for an atheist or an agnostic on the aspect that their faith in something not existing, to me, is a bigger faith than I think in somebody believing that there is something, there is a creator, there is a God, and he, and he loves us. And with that, I want to leave you some words from the philosopher Blaise Pascal. He was a mathematician, and he left with this wager. We call it Pascal's wager. It's not Dave's wager or any of that, but it's Pascal's wager. And And so what he came up with was he said that logical reasoning by itself can't decide. So if you're on the fence about this and you're thinking – well, there's some good, there's good arguments, good reasons on both sides, both for and against an existence of a creator or a divine being or God in the person, the personal kind of a form or even the God that we describe. 
Just say there's not a deity. I'm not sure about this. Well, since reason can't decide for sure, and since the question is of such importance that we must decide somehow, then we must wager if we can't prove. So we're going to bet on this. Where am I going to place my bet? Well, Pascal said if you place it with God, you lose nothing, even if it turns out that God does not exist. But if you place it against God and you are wrong and God does exist, you lose everything. You lose God, eternity, heaven, and infinite gain. Let us assess these two cases. If you win, if you believe in God and it turns out to be true, you win everything. If you lose, you lose nothing. And at least what it could motivate us to do and what I would encourage you to do tonight is to take the prayer of the skeptic. God, I don't know whether you exist or not, but if you do, please show me who you are. There's nothing wrong in asking that question. If God isn't real and you're just saying those things out loud, well, there you go. You haven't lost anything. You haven't really wasted a whole lot of time. It took you three seconds to say that prayer. And so if it turns out God doesn't reveal himself to you, well, then away you go. Live a good life. I would encourage you with that. But if God does exist, you have everything to gain. And then you should also pursue then what the truth really is and knowing if this God is knowable or what things you can discover about him. Pascal says there's three kinds of people, those who have sought God and found him, those who are seeking and have not yet found, and those who neither seek nor find. And the first of those is reasonable. Those people are happy. The second are reasonable and unhappy in life. And the last type of people are usually unreasonable and unhappy. So if you're one of those and you're trying to figure out why am I both unreasonable and unhappy, why are people avoiding talking to me about this faith thing, why don't they just understand where I view things and leave it at that? Well, maybe it's time to ask that question. You know, what do I really think about God? If the wager stimulates us at least to seek, then according to Matthew 7, 7 and 8, it says those who seek will find that God is big enough for our questions. And I want to leave you with that, that you can know, you can rely on the fact that God is big enough for your questions. Being a skeptic is not sinning. Having doubt about faith is not a sin. Now, how you react and how you respond in light of that could lead you into a life of sin, of doing things of your own purposes and and doing things that are contrary to the nature that God created us for. But in reality, what we need to do is, is find out the truth and be open to wherever the facts lead us. And so I want to encourage you with that tonight. We're wired to look at things logically and rationally. Search them out. Ask God. He is big enough for it. Seek out people that are older than you, smarter than you, wiser in their ways, and have some life experience. Ask them those questions. Go and chat with a live coach tonight at HopeNet360.com. They have some experience as well. But we're human. God is big enough for our questions. Go ahead and search out for yourself. That's all for us here tonight on HopeNet Radio. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. For all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye. Later. Thank you.